This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Today, we investigate the warnings that are attached to Israel as they move into the Promised Land. Hey everyone, this is Pastor Matt Grimm. I'm here once again with Thad Keenel as we bring you the Planted Podcast. How are you doing, Thad? I'm doing wonderful. So here we are. We're going to start a new year, huh? Yeah. But, but not a new series. <laughs> but not a new series, exactly. Yeah, so we're recording this um, the day after the new year. And uh, we uh, so we've been a couple weeks off uh, a little bit, had to go back and try to re-listen to, to where we ended up. And uh do you, you think you're capable of letting people know where, where we've come so far? <laughs> well, I'm not capable of much, but uh, I think the general scheme that we've been talking about is the fact that we're trying to trace the lineage of Israel. Yes. And it begins with, well, it actually begins before Israel, yeah. right? Because it begins with Abraham, and it's a, it's a call of a person or people that God is calling unto himself. Yeah. And uh, then we learn that Jacob is renamed Israel, and that's where we end up with the name of Israel, yeah. which become the so-called people of God. Right. But the idea of this people, this elect people, was to really be a light unto the nations. Exactly. Right. And so in that way, God could be honored and glorified uh, throughout the entire world. But they keep running into not only problems with these other nations, but within them, within their own tribe, right? Yeah, um, in a lot of ways, their their biggest problem is themselves, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, which is the case for me as well. Exactly, I, you know. it is. I mean, they tell, and they they really, I think, as we talked about a few podcasts ago, they they kind of you could represent them as a corporate Adam because we spent a few podcasts going back and looking at Genesis one to eleven and the the fall accounts there, and really, you know. Israel is is just representative of here. Here's the people that God called to Himself, and He was going to go put in the land, kind of like He He got Adam and even put them in a garden, right? And then they rebelled. He takes them out of the the garden, and and here we have the story of before Israel even enters into the land, um, they they rebel, and some of them can't enter the land, and then um, we have at the end of Deuteronomy before Moses goes into the land, and we uh, and we talked about Deuteronomy thirty-two some and that the whole notion of him taking them as his inheritance, right? right? And it's through them that they're going to bless the nations. But at the, but after but in the midst of that, or actually before that, like in Deuteronomy twenty-seven, Moses is warning them, "Hey, you know, you're not going to keep the covenant. You know, you have uncircumcised hearts. And this isn't going to go well." But you know, but he does say, but you know, if you do have circumcised, or if you do keep the covenant, it it may go well for you. But he's basically prophesying it's not going to because your hearts aren't right. Um, and so, what's really interesting is following that uh, we have, you know, Joshua. Uh, he and Caleb. We talked about he and Caleb how they 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 were of that generation were able to go into the land. And jo- Joshua is actually the one to lead them into the land, and they go and they they go in and take possession. That's the next part of the story of Israel's. Is they they go take possession of the land and. It kind of seems like you know uh, they accomplished the job. Uh, they 
there are a few hiccups, you know, here or there, but but for the most part, um, God shows Himself faithful, and He wins these battles. You know, a lot of times by Himself. I mean, He, you know, they they walk around Jericho, right, and they don't even have to bring out their swords. I mean, until until the city's completely fallen, you know, right. and it's, it's after God, you know basically wins the victory that they go in and, and destroy what they need to destroy, you know? Uh, and so and then you have another time where he, has to, he pairs them down to like 300, you know, to win the victory. And there's just, basically, so the, the battle belongs to the Lord. As, right. as the song goes from Joshua, you know, that's the case. Right. And Joshua um, is often described as a type of Christ. Yeah. And what do you think the primary reason is for that? He's faithful, and is one that leads his people into a promised land. Yeah, I think so. And well, actually, you know, Jesus' name is that's it's the Hebrew the, name of Joshua. Joshua is Jesus in Hebrew, yeah. <laughs> you know, basically. So, um, yeah. So there's no accident that that's to be Jesus' name. Right. Uh, but he, I think it went because he is taking them in. He's taking them into the land. He's. It's, this is a new. You know, this is the start of a new creation. He is a. He he's a deliverer, not in in one sense. You know, Moses delivered them out of Egypt, but he's the one who delivers them into you know the new land, into the into their inheritance. Mm-hmm. You know, and so yeah, so he's a type of Christ in that way that he leads them into victory, and he is is one who is portrayed for the most part as faithful. You know, to God who trusts in Him in the battle, and the battle is against. Um, is not just against the physical people, the flesh and blood, but it's also against the principalities and powers of the land as well. Um, and so, uh, which you, if you think about, we've talked before a little bit about the, the the Nephilim, and we talked even the last episode, I think, with Caleb and Joshua, that they were concerned with the Anakim, these giants that were in the land, and so right. forth, right? right? And so, at the in, in the kind of the middle of the book of Joshua, we have the end of the war. Of basically taking the land, and then a lot of the last half of Joshua is just is um, describing how the the lands are allotted to the tribes, and everybody gets their inheritance uh, in that sense. But as he recounts the uh, the victory of the Israelites and, and Joshua leading them into the land uh, in in chapter uh, eleven, it says toward the end of eleven at it's talking about before this. It's talking about how Joshua took all the land, the hill country, the Negev, the Goshen, the lowland, all the places that they've taken, and the victories that they won, the, and the kings that they beat, and um, and how he defeated the all all the ites basically that they were supposed to. But then, and, and I would like just to interject one one second here mm-hmm. is that that Joshua and and Caleb. They're not leading Israel into this land on their own accord. This is a command yeah. from the Lord, from exactly. Yahweh. He's saying, "This is what I'm telling you to do." And you know, when the Lord speaks and gives a direct command, you're, we now not only should go do what He says, but we're kind of obligated to, right? Yeah. And so, um, some people struggle with the the brutality of some of these battles mm. and everything, you know. And so, I think it's just one of those things that I'm. I'm not trying to make an excuse for God, but I am trying to make an excuse for the people. You know exactly, and we do have to ask ourselves all along in everything we go: Do we believe God's good? Right? Do we trust that He makes just decisions? And and if we if we start with that assumption, which I start with, and it isn't that's and it starts with faith, then from there, then we then we work out 
those things. And I acknowledge that by ta- making that assumption, it doesn't mean it doesn't come with difficulty. <laughs> right. It doesn't mean I don't have questions, okay? But it means I, I start with that. And then if I want to bring an accusation against God <laughs> and I believe he's good, right, then, then I'm more inclined to um, say, okay, God, show me how this is good. You know, even though I may not understand it in some senses. Yeah, absolutely. I think if we think of it sometimes justice on a smaller scale, you know, just for example, when my children were small, yeah. if a stranger would have came up to my child and and hurt them, it would have been just for me to stop that act and to justly physically hurt that person, maybe yeah. if, if I had to, to right. stop the cause, right? And, um, and, and so there's righteousness in justice being right. executed, right? And so if we look at that on a grand scale where God is absolutely perfect, there's law of justice that co- that combines right. with his love and mercy. Um, and so I think that kind of helps. But now... It does well, and it's very important that the humans are acting with that sure understanding that God told them to do this. Exactly. Right? That and, was, and that's kind of where my point exactly, is, is we're exactly. leading into this. And so now if we as the people of God think God's... If we're sure God's telling me to do something right now... Yeah, I better have it backed up by scripture. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I'm going to start. I'm going to become a terror to the world. Right. Some people, and maybe with good intentions, um, it's one thing to say that I was. I, I felt all nudge from the Lord, but sometimes I've had somebody say, "You know, the Lord told me to do this," and I'm like, "What did He tell you to do?" Well, He He told me that I shouldn't do this job. No, listen. No, He didn't. <laughs> and, I, and I've said this. No, He didn't. You know, just just. You just don't you don't want to do it, and that's okay because it's your right to do the work. But you know, don't tell me that God spoke to you and said not to do this work. You know, that's it's unless you're right. unless you're willing to put that as form of scripture, right? Or unless, you know, especially if it's unless you know, especially if if they can come back and say, well, no, if I do this work, I'm breaking the command of God. There you go. No, right? Then then okay, but now, yeah. But now he's using the word of God to back himself. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. the whole point. Right. Good. So anyway. So now here we go. So here we go. Joshua has done gotten rid of all the ites. He's beaten all these kings. He's taken all these places. And then in verse 21 of chapter 11, it says, And Joshua came at the end of, came at that time and cut off the Anakim from the hill country, from Hebron, from Debir, from Anab, and from all the hill country of Judah, and from all the hill country of Israel. Joshua devoted them to destruction with their cities. There was none of the Anakim left in the land of the people of Israel. Then it says, this is this always cracks me up, only in Gaza and Gath and Ashdod did some remain. Now, technically speaking, is that not the land? That could be considered not the land of Israel. Was there that little strip that was never given to the Israel in the first place? I don't know. Does, uh, I don't think it, so because it was pretty much from Egypt all the way to all to the, the way Euphrates. to the Mediterranean Sea, right? Yeah, yeah. So Mediterranean Sea up to the Euphrates. And, yeah. So yeah. So, so there, but there's this little strip that that wasn't taken. Okay. Says so, so. Joshua took the whole land <laughs> <laughs> according to all the Lord had spoken to Moses. And Joshua gave it for inheritance to Israel according to their tribal allotments, and the land had rest from war. Okay, so that's kind of describing that, okay, the job's done. It kind of sounds like that, right? But it's interesting that after all the ites and everything, there's this whole Anakim. And I don't want to get into this too much, but I think relating to what you were saying about a type of Christ, that it's important to think about. And we, you brought this up the last time we were talking about... we. The, just briefly with the sons of God and the whole discussion again from Deuteronomy 32, that there is this spiritual element to this, that it is there, that it manifests itself in people, but the, but the Anakim represent a 
spiritual rebellion. Right. The connection with that is in Genesis 6, 4, that the the offspring of the sons of God and the right. women of men, however you want to hold that view, are considered and called Nephilim yeah. and Rephaim. And the Anakim are part of that. Exactly. And so we can make that connection and leave the debate part out of it. But here we are again, and we know that they were giants as well. And who's from Gath? Goliath. Goliath, right? right. And that's and so gonna, we... Yeah, go ahead. No, that's just going to come up here. In, in, in yeah, another... so we get in, when you get into Samuel in, in the reign of David and everything, you know, the, the, there, there's still this final job to, to get them out of the land that, that, that in, you know, wasn't accomplished. So it's interesting that not only the ites have to get out of the land, you know, because of the they worship these other gods, but the Anakim. Uh, it, 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 they really, it, it's interesting, at least for me, it appears that, by making that this the last statement, that there's a little bit of a distinction being made from the Anakim from the rest from these other ites and these other kings. Absolutely, and I think I want to interject one more thing here that is probably important because you read this that okay, so verse twenty two of Joshua eleven, there were no Anakim left in the land of the sons of Israel, only in Gaza, mm-hmm. in Gath, in Ashdod. Some remained, you said, but so Gaza. I mean, what's in the what's in the topic of the news today is the Gaza Strip, right? So, but I think we should make it clear right now and point this out that Gaza that we don't think this is pertaining to current events. No, at all. exactly right. And, right. and the people that remain there that they're any more evil than than we were before we were saved. Or, no, yeah. exactly right. Okay. And and the point is is that um, David in and in, in under his reign, it's it, they're removed. Right. right, that that the, the Anakim, the Nephilim, the Anakim, they do not appear again after the time of David. Nowhere in the scriptures, unless unless the scriptures is looking back on that time, nowhere is are those battles having to be fought anymore. Exactly right, and right? so that was one of the things that we were talking about an episode or so ago in regard to the United Kingdom under David and what he actually right. accomplished. Yeah, right, and it was in I think the last giants to be killed were Goliath's brothers. Yeah, or somewhere thereabouts. Yeah. But anyways, it, it, it states in the scriptures that there that no more remained emphatically. Period. Dot. Right. Full stop. Yeah. Not that some remained somewhere else at that point. And exactly. Uh, yeah. Okay. Good. So I yeah, think so. So we're not trying. So with that in mind, you know, we're not in any way trying to demonize this particular part of the world or the people that live there, right? <laughs> for today at yeah. all, right? Right. So but, uh, and yeah. It, yeah, and just to let the cat out of the bag a little bit, I think on the other side of that coin is that we're not any more pro-ethnic of any nation. Right. Exactly. I mean, that. hopefully we get into some of that today, because that's that's the whole point of the New Testament. I mean, Paul's making this clear in Galatians and Romans and Ephesians and so many of his letters that the, you know, the dividing wall of hostility has been broken down. Right. You know, and so, you know, anytime that we start getting into any kind of, um, you know, today, especially in Christ, any kind of ethnic cleansing, you know, kind of idea that... We would not support that in any way. Right. right? This is one of the things that is really important, um, and we've we've been gently emphasizing it. But now as we are uh, midway through the season and we're starting to move toward the New Testament and what this all looks like, is that the idea 
of the kingdom of God still exists. It's we we still have this kingdom aspect, right? Yeah. And it begins as you so eloquently preached a week or so ago on Christmas Day morning um, about the Savior that came. Yeah. And entered into our world. God stepped into the flesh, right? Yeah. And that he was in the lineage of David and he would be a king that would rule forever and his kingdom would never end. Right. Right. And so uh, the kingdom of God in regard to Israel is an aspect, we, we, we bring this term up also once in a while, but there's, a, there's an aspect of Israel and then there's the aspect of who true Israel is. Right. Right. And this is regards to a people more than it is a land. Yeah. Right. And uh, so, you know, as the listeners um, hearing some of this, we we're trying to um, reveal our hand as to the spiritual aspect of this, as opposed to a, a political right aspect, because we're dealing with a monarchy. Yeah, uh, exactly. And so we want <laughs> we want to get we you know we would hold that there's a monarchy that exists today mm-hmm. that you and I are citizens of that kingdom. Right. Or that who's who's King Jesus, and so uh, and and what we have in the Old Testament is we, in some senses, we have the foreshadowing of that that is playing itself out in real time and real place in the in these things, and an expression of of God's victory of that in the land here under Joshua is. Yes, there are these literal kings and kingdoms that are being torn down, but there was always a spiritual element behind them. So why? Why remove the ites? It's because they worship false gods. The old, it, it's not that God's cleansing people of, of a certain ethnicity, right? It's He's cleansing the land from false worship, right? Um, the, in, in, the, because if, if those people were to remain and the Israelites move in, he knows that they're just going to start following other gods. Yeah. And so the, the reality is, as we, as we fast forward the story, they do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they still <laughs> but, do. But, 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 God, but, God, but the indictment then is solely on them. They can't blame the Jebusites for this or the Hittites for this. They're, they're to blame themselves. Right. Right? And, and, so, um, and so you have that element of, of it, the, the conquest of the land. But then you also have the, this Anakim element, which is there is this spiritual dimension of these principalities and powers, you know, that are being removed. Um, and we see this coming up in the New Testament that we've talked about before. And so uh, all, the, all to say that this Joshua, back to your original question of, of Joshua's relationship to Jesus, yeah. is that Jesus, when he arrives on the scene, he's leading, he's leading that same kind of battle in the sense that he is, when he comes, and I think you mentioned this last podcast too, that he's driving out demons, he's healing disease, he's giving evidence of his reign over sickness, which is representation of death, of of evil in, in the presence of these demonic spirits that are keeping people in bondage, right? And um, and so he's he's showing himself victorious over that, and the king that's that's ushering in, taking the land, that ultimately he will get anointed as king on the cross, yeah. <laughs> or as he goes to the cross with, mm-hmm. the, with the crown of thorns and a robe and all this and all these things. But so how do we see, if we're followers of that king, you know, the question we have to is how do we see ourselves, you know, and what are we, what are we uh, giving our allegiance to? Well, it's very interesting that Joshua after he allots all the land to all these people, everything's peaceful. 
No, um, no more worries after that, <laughs> right? No well, more, no more warnings for guys. It says, it says the land has rest from war. You right. know, so in one sense, as you could say, okay, uh, the promise is fulfilled. Uh, he gave them the land; the inheritance is theirs. And so, how do how do how do they receive their inheritance? Joshua starts telling them, mm-hmm. "You, you know, this tribe has this territory, and this tribe has this territory, and and so forth." And that's what we get in the end of Joshua until we get to chapter twenty-four where it says he gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through to the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country to Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt and what I did in the midst of it, and afterward I brought you out. And so we have the story which we've recounted. It's 400 years of history right here. Right, but from there we've we've basically recounted the time of them coming out of Egypt right. until there till till Joshua. We did that in just briefly, but looked at a couple of those different accounts. Right, um, and so what we see here is he gathers them, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 14 after it says he gave. Well, I'll read 13 real quick because I think it's 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 just really cool. He says, "I gave you a land on which you had not labored, mm. and cities that you had not built." And you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. That is a description of grace. And some, you know, this did they earn this? Did they just no? They they're getting the fruits of 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 God's gift of the inheritance of the land. Of they all, can't take yeah. credit for any of this. Go ahead. No, he 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 used all the ites to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to work the land for him. Yeah. Um, so. Um, so now, verse 14 says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this dame whom you'll serve, where the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of Abrites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So what's the choice? That he's giving them. <coughs> yeah, he's he's telling go go ahead and um, make a choice on what God you want to serve. Yeah, right. I mean, if you if it's coming down to it, and really, I think what it matter, what it comes down to is a uh, if you if you want to have yourself, if you want to serve yourself, right, which is what the fall was all about in the garden. Really, you're really not just serving yourself, but you're serving other gods as well. You know, yeah. There's a, there's always a spiritual reality behind yeah. selfishness. And he goes far as to say that by not choosing the Lord, you're declaring the Lord evil. That's exactly right. Which it, that, I I don't remember. You know, the few other times I'd read this passage that it got I, that just didn't pop out at me the way it did when I read it. The, it you know, the right. last it few really, days or the last few weeks. It really doesn't, but by process of elimination, if you think this is good, that means you're leaving. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, but it's interesting in our pluralistic world today, you know, where we want to have both sides. Well, you believe what you believe, and that can be good for you, and I'll believe what I believe, and, it's, and it'll be good for me. You know, um, but he, God's not putting in those terms. 
It's not like, well, that's good for you, and, and this is good for me. He's like, by making that choice, you're basically saying, no, what's good for you is evil in my eyes. Yeah. Do you know that the Church of Satan has a, a command, um, and it is, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law? Really? Yeah. That's, that's, their, that's their whole thing. And it's, it's from the Greek word uh, thalema, where it's the, the will. So it's, mm-hmm. it's do, do what you want to do, right? That yeah. should be the whole of the law. But l- listen how this works. Do what you want to do. That's the whole of the law. I'm like, oh, that's, okay, what I want to do. I serve myself, and that's good, what I think is great. Um, but wait a minute. What was the church again? Oh, the church of Satan. So who do you end up serving when you do what you want to do? Satan. You know, and this is exactly um, the aspect of what you're just saying here. If you're if you're not choosing Yahweh by default, you're choosing other gods. Even if you're saying you're not serving them, or if you're doing so purposefully, um, and not only that, like you just said, if you think something else is good, then God must be the evil one in your eyes, right? They're gonna, yeah. they're gonna. Um, you know what? This is really interesting because I mean I've heard this verse a hundred times. Um, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Um, it's starting to mean a lot more to me as we're going mm. through the study. Interesting, yeah. You know, you bring up that whole thing. It just, I happened to be, you know, with the holidays, I had a little more time. I was just happened to be on Facebook a little bit looking at people's Christmas pictures and things, you know. And so, but this high school friend of mine, I won't name them, um, I, I have not kept in touch with, but I just, but a Facebook friend, right? So posted this very interesting thing. And I read it, I'm like, oh, unbelievable. And so it, it's a little bit of a tangent here, but it totally relates to what you're saying. I think it's worth saying. Good. And, Let's hear it. Um, if not, you can cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, um, it says, when Einstein gave lectures at U.S. universities, the recurring question, and it's, it's posted by something, the title of it is called Love. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the, the, the post, the the. the I don't know if it's like an Instagram thing or some kind of thing you can follow this love thing, okay? It says, um, they asked Einstein, do you believe in God? And he always answered, I believed in the God of Spinoza. And Spinoza was some philosopher, okay, I guess. Um, it, he, Spinoza, it says, God, the, Baruch de Spinoza was a Dutch philosopher considered one of the great rationalists of 17th century along with Descartes. Okay, so humanism, rationalism, right. right? Spinoza, God, this is Spinoza writing, says God would say, stop praying. What I want you to do is go out into the world and enjoy your life. If I want you, I want you to sing, to have fun, and enjoy everything I've made for you. Stop going into those dark, cold temples that you built yours for yourself and saying they are my house. My house is the mountains and the woods, the rivers, the lakes, the beaches. That's where I live and that's where I express my love for you. Stop blaming me for your miserable life. I never told you there was anything wrong with you or that you were a sinner or that you were, your sexuality is a bad thing. Sex is a gift I've given you, which you can express your love and ecstasy and your joy. So don't blame me for everything that, may, that they made you believe. Stop reading alleged sacred scriptures that have nothing to do with me. If I can't, if you can't read me in a sunrise in a landscape in the look of your friends in your son's eyes, you'll find me in no book. Stop asking me, you will you tell me how to do my job? Stop being so scared of me. I do not judge you or criticize you or get angry or bothered. I'm pure love. Stop asking for forgiveness. There's nothing to forgive. If I made you, I filled you with passions, limitations, pleasures, feelings, needs, inconsistencies, free will. How can I blame you if you respond to something I put you in? 
Uh, how can I punish you for being the way you are if I'm the one who made you? Do you think I could create a place to burn all my children who behave badly for the rest of eternity? What kind mm-hmm. of God would do that? Respect your peers and, and don't do what you don't want to do for yourself. All I ask you is to pay attention in your life that alertness is your guide. My beloved, this life is not a test, not a step on the way, not a rehearsal, not a prelude to paradise. This life is the only thing here and now, and it's all you need. I've set you absolutely free. No prizes or punishments, no sins or virtues. No one carries a marker. No one keeps a record. You're absolutely free to create in your life, heaven or hell. Uh, And then it goes on a little bit more. But it's just like, oh, here, basically, that's that's the the Satanist motto. I mean, it's it is it's, it's do create, what you will, do what you will. What's 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 Nike's motto? Yeah, just do it. Just do it. What's yeah. Burger King's motto? Yeah, <laughs> have it your way. Have it your way. <laughs> Not that I right. know those aren't necessarily yeah. satanic, but it is. It's all about self. This is right. Paul Harvey had a um, thing where I think he wrote read a it's like a poem, but it was called "If I Were the Devil." And mm-hmm. people should check that out. I'm oh, not gonna, it is? Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. And it's like you do all the things that you know are, are happening right now, and it just yeah. talks about this right. self-absorbed well, society. Well, but it's interesting that there is a certain appeal to that, but because they are wanting to appeal to, oh, to love and to, you know, to do what you think's right. And there's a there's a certain allure to it because it it can sound there's a there's a tone of righteousness to it. To some extent, right. there's this belief that I, I'm going to pursue something good. Well, look what they just right. when you just read that one of the key phrases that jumped out with me had to do with free will. Yeah, you know, and and free will is, in a sense, it's a really big lie because it's not that we don't have free volition to do what we want to do. It's just that through the fall, we've come into bondage, and that's what the scriptures talk say about us all the time, right? We, you're either a slave to sin, right? If you choose yourself, right. then you're going to end up being a slave to that system, which is flesh and the sin and the devil, yeah. right? And what does it call us if we belong to Christ? We're a slave of Christ. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting, right? Because now that, that might sound negative, but it's not because we're dealing with righteousness here, right? We're dealing with somebody who's, who's bought us off the auction block. We were slaves of sin. Now we belong right. To somebody, and we've been adopted, and we're heirs of this incredible, you know, inheritance that yeah. that, that we have. But all of that comes together uh, to say that what you think you're saying is free will. It's not so much about a choice; it's just about who you're serving. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, and and, and basically, if you say no, I'm not serving any god; I'm just serving myself. And God just answered that question for us. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you've set yourself up as a God, and, and you're going to, and basically, you know, if I if I look at history with open eyes, I'm saying, you know, how's that working for you? You know, mm-hmm. and it, it, it hasn't gone well. Um, so after he says, but as for me and my house will serve the Lord— the people answer and say, we're going to do this. We're going to forsake all the gods. We're going to, they recount how the Lord drove out all the peoples and gave them the land. And um, and so they say, you know, we're going to make this commitment. And then it's interesting in verse 19, Joshua says, you're not able to serve the Lord. What? Come on, Joshua, you just let us into the land. What are you doing to us? Right? Um, but this is the same language of, of Moses in Deuteronomy. 
that is telling This is the them, doctrine of total depravity. <laughs> <laughs> They're not able to right. do it. Wow. He says, for he, you're, for he's a holy God, he's a jealous God, he will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. Well, wait, when he spoke his name to Moses, he said that he will forgive for thousands of generations. What's, what's going on here? Well, it's the context of what we're doing. They're entering this covenant. The forgiveness here isn't necessarily a, unto salvation, but, is it, but it, it's very much related to the inheritance of the land. The whole context here is they're entering into covenant with renewing this covenant as they have, have received their inheritance, you know, by grace. They didn't earn any of this stuff, right? <laughs> They've got it. So he says, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm to you and consume you after having done good to you. What happened? What did God warn them? Why didn't God want to go into the land after the golden calf incident? He yeah, because if, yeah, if, if I go, go before you, I'll, I'll consume you. I'll consume you, <laughs> you, right? And now he's stating it again here. Uh, um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, but it's, so again, he says, after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. So they know what they're getting themselves into, right? They know that um, they're dealing with a holy God. And they go ahead and they agree. And Joshua said to them, you are witnesses against yourselves that you've chosen the Lord to serve him. Wow. You know what? This is so. This is an echo of, of Sinai. Be- yes. Because Moses is saying the Lord is kind of making this offer to them, right? right? And if the people were smart, instead of saying, give us, these, give us this law, if they would have just said, just give us mercy. <laughs> You know, but they say no. We'll enter into this covenant. We're going to be perfect, and then a couple of days later, they're building a golden calf, right? Yeah. And so the intentions. What is what? What is the what's the what's the um, phrase about the the path to destruction is it's, it's paved with good, good intentions, intentions or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what's going on here. Yeah. So you know, they say they're going to they're going to put away their foreign gods and they're going to serve the Lord. And so, verse 25, Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and they they set up a a stone, and and there was a sanctuary to the Lord and and all this stuff. So it's... um, But but then he says, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us. This is verse 27. It shall be a witness against us, for it's heard all the words of the Lord that spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, let you de- lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. And so they go into the land knowing that if they turn from the Lord and serve other gods, there's consequences, mm-hmm. right? And they, they, um, there's severe consequences, which if we see as, as we read the rest of the story, and we're not going to recount that today, it's, it, it's a story of how they basically continue to fail of that. Um, and there's there's periods of victory. We've talked about this before, you know, the, under the monarchy of David and so forth, and we see some of this. But but basically, the prophet, when the prophets start coming and after the time of the kings, you know, we start out with Elijah and then Elisha, and then, and then you have the books of the prophets that follow. They're, they're, what, what are they doing? They're constantly, especially if you read the, the, the prophets, the major prophets and the minor prophets, they're covenant enforcement mediators, a lot of the- theologians say. that they Basically, they're coming back and they just start speaking the covenant laws back to the people and telling them, you're breaking them. Mm-hmm. And here are the consequences. You know, God's going to drive you from the land. It's interesting. And usually with that, um, with that prophecy or with that word from God, 
is also the call to repent. Yeah, there's always a call to repent. There's always a, you know, but it, but if you return to him, right, right, there's always there's always that thing that's going on. If my people who are called by name, my name, right, a- exactly. So, what does this have to do with who is Israel? <laughs> well, what we start to see happening is, and you've mentioned this word remnant before, right? There's we see there's always the people who are a little bit kind of like the Joshua and Caleb who go spy out the land. There are those who don't want to obey, and then those who are like going to trust the Lord and obey. And they, they always seem to be less, they always seem to be the lesser amount, <laughs> just like Joshua and Caleb were just two out of twelve. Um, but yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, it's it's like it's like the wide path of destruction, right? The yeah. the, the the righteous two out of the twelve that you just mentioned. It's the other the other group, um, and they're blatant lie of the land because they're scared of these giants that are in the land that cause the people not to go into the land, you know, the, the, the elders. Yeah. So as we take that forward and look to all of this, what shows us is this, even this Israel, and I think I mentioned this a few podcasts ago is if we, if a lot of theologians will talk about Israel as a corporate Adam, Right. And so there's, they, they, sh- they have this place of privilege and honor among God as, as the firstborn, his firstborn people. Mm. His, he's the one, he took them as their inheritance. And he calls them to a specific task to honor him, worship him, and, be a, and then all that to be a blessing to the nations. And we see that they don't do that. And so there's one who comes out of Israel in Jesus, who you mentioned, that, that is the true Israelite. He's the true king who comes to accomplish God's purposes. And he does it by means of, he comes, he preaches the law, he, he, he exercises demons, he heals the sick, he does all these things, but ultimately he came to die in our place. Mm-hmm. Ultimately he came to fulfill both sides of the covenant, not just to keep the law, but to become the curse of the law as well. Because there is this curse that comes with it that, that have to bear the burden, and he's the one who's going to bear the burden on the tree for us, you know. And he comes and he does that, and our hope and faith is in him, and and that's and how do we become the people of God? Now it's not through it's not through an ethnic identity, um, even for even in the Old Testament, ultimately it was through faith in Yahweh, and now right. Yahweh has come in Jesus, and our faith is in Him, and so. I want us to just, I want us, before we end today, I want us to get into Galatians real quick and just see because um, what Paul is doing is he's preaching the gospel to the Galatians. And what the Galatians here, it's, it's a, um, it's a little church in a, in a, in the Gentile part of the world. But as Paul would often, you know, he said he first he'd go to the Jews in those, in those towns, go to the synagogues and preach and then, and then he would go to the Gentiles. And often with that, there would be some Jews who would come to faith, or there are Jews who would start to follow in this. And, and so there was this dilemma that would start to arise uh, out of a, a sect of them, they call the Judaizers, who would say, who would believe that in order to, you know, yes, become a follower of Messiah, you would still have to keep the Old Testament laws and things like that. So they would still be this desire to get circumcised, to keep all the festivals and all that stuff. And then not there's anything wrong with that, but they're saying this was a requirement, mm-hmm. right? This became a legalistic requirement. Right. And so um, so at the beginning of Galatians, he, he 
you know, he says that we can't preach any other gospel than Christ alone and all these things. And he even talks about how he has to confront in the Jerusalem council, he has to confront Peter on this issue, and they make a decision that, you know, that you don't have to do all these other things, right? And then I just, but I want to pick up in Galatians 3, because here he gets, in, he gets into some of this stuff, which I think relates to our whole conversation that we've been having. He says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit, by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? That, that flesh is that human desire to have to do something, right, to make us holy, to make us yep. true with God. Verse 4, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Verse 6 is so crucial here. Just as Abraham believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness. So he's tracing the true faith back to Abraham, who's the father of Israel, and he was credited righteousness by faith. Mm-hmm. Okay, So now we're starting to see he doesn't use the words true Israel here, but he's talking about who are the true people of faith who have the same faith of Abraham, not by, but it's by faith and not by works. Right? Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And the idea of faith, um, to, to broaden the definition of it, um, faith, that Greek word, uh, pistis, yep. which is just to believe, right, um, comes with more depth to it, right? Because it's not just about saying that you believe, but that trust that comes with an act of obedience behind yeah, it, right? right. And uh, it's really an allegiance yeah. to the one that you're putting your faith right, in. Right, exactly. And so verse 7, he, he, he actually does get into this. He says, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who are the sons of Abraham? Well, I thought it was Israel. Yeah, I mean that. that but now he's saying it's those who have faith who are the sons. So he's saying that those who have faith, and again in context, this is faith in Christ. You have allegiance to Christ. Those are the true sons of Abraham. Is what he's getting into here. He says in the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Wait, okay. So he's going back to the Scripture now. When Paul's writing Galatians, Galatians, most scholars think Galatians pretty early on. Mm-hmm. It's one of the probably the, one of the earliest, if not potentially, you know, the first four or five books of the New Testament written. Oh wow! Okay, so who are the scriptures to Paul? <laughs> it's the Old Testament. Yeah, it's all, all right. Old Testament, right? So, um, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, or um, or you could translate that as count righteous, you know, to to count righteous. He said, we preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So we see here, he's defining um, the, the man of faith um, through Abraham. Verse 10, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Wow. For it is written... Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Okay. We just looked at this. I mean, think about the whole 
commitment, covenant renewal ceremony that, that Joshua is, is calling people to after they've been given their land as an inheritance, right? Is that it comes with, it, there's, there's a curse in that. <laughs> you know, that if you don't keep the law, right, then it's, you know, your witness is against yourselves that right. you've made this commitment. But would we say that the, that, the Israelites, when they were given the law, when they were given the tabernacle and all the ceremonial laws, yeah. that they thought that they were working for their own righteousness? In some ways, not. Because I mean, they would yeah. they would believe to trust God, right? That God is being gracious and, and he's ultimately faithful. Um, and that the service of the temple would really be a response to that faithfulness, right? right. Not, not that they're working for anything, but this is what the Lord has told us to do. And so we're going gonna... right. to... Re- they've received their inheritance by grace. And as we talked about it the last couple episodes, is that, that even the God's presence with them is by grace. He provided a way that he could be dwell with them mm-hmm. through the tabernacle system and everything. Right. But what becomes a curse is not that they're trying... For, for the people of, in the Old Testament, it's not that they were... It's not that they were doing those things. It's that they thought by... In their doing of them, they were earning something from God instead of... In I would almost say like retaining their faith in God, just keeping their allegiance the way it is. It was never an earned thing. It was always a it was it was always a commitment after the fact, <laughs> right. you know, to some degree. Right. But it's still. But but Jesus says this to the Pharisees, right? He says the 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 man wasn't made for the law. The law was made for man. Yeah, you know, and so the whole idea of let me explain this to you properly because the Pharisees are trying to hold his feet to the fire for, you know, eating some plucked grains and, right. you know, and breaking the Sabbath and um, all of those things that uh, the Pharisees at this point were trying to be ultimately righteous by the finest minutia of keeping the law. Yeah. Right? But yet if they made one mistake, according to what was warned of Joshua, right. <laughs> right? Well, they were all, in some senses, they were already counted as righteous. They were already justified by faith, um, if they had the faith of Abraham, right, right, and so, but what would start happen? But if I started, you know, went to made my sacrifice things, but then I also set up an Ashtoreth pole over here on this other high place, and I started offering sacrifices to it and started worshiping there. Then did I have faith in Yahweh? Yeah, no, I sure didn't. Right, right, you know, so. Uh, those just became, and, and with those things came, you know, the, that. But so, how did you, how did they view their quote religion? Did they see it as a representation of their faith in 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 Yahweh? Um, and even with the with these people here who said they have faith in Christ, why are they why are they placing themselves back under the law? Is what he's saying. When with it comes the curse of. Um, a basic a sacrificial system that, that will have no end because I'm going to keep on sitting. It's interesting. You know? In trying to keep the law, what they're actually doing is they're putting faith in themselves instead of in Yahweh. Yeah. Right. Because like, oh, I can, I can do this. I can keep. I can keep this. I can. I can live the perfect law. And let's add some more to it to make it even more difficult. Right. And again, <laughs> it's not that that we don't have obligations that come out of this. But the question is, how do I how do I view my relationship with God? Uh, it, its origin, its starting point, you know, all those, is is it by faith? And do I trust in him and do I forsake all else? You know, so mm-hmm. um, verse 11, now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. 
But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. And so Paul's preaching this gospel to the Gentiles that they're included in this. They're included in the faith of Abraham, the family of Abraham, because Christ has fulfilled all of it. Uh, And so, so if that's the nature of faith... If that's what the true faith is, then the true people of God are people who hold to that, mm-hmm. right? And so I wanted to go to Galatians here because he is talking about who are the sons of Abraham? You know, who, who, who is this? How, how do we define this? Um, how's Paul defining this? Well, he's defining it as people who trust in Christ to fulfill what Israel couldn't fulfill, and, the gen- and now that Gentiles get to participate in this as well. Uh, and so, because all along, the sons of Abraham were to be a blessing to the nations. Right. You know, so if we ask ourselves this question, according to Paul in Galatians 3, and we'll just deal with that today, we'll go to other passages in, next time, is who are the sons of Abraham? It's... Narrowed down to those who are of faith. In? Well, well, their faith in Christ, in in his faithfulness. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, yeah, faith in Christ. And so uh, how does it, if we're going to connect the dots, how, what does this say to what we just looked at in Joshua, right? What's the... How does Jesus relate to Joshua chapter 24? Jesus repeats Joshua's words when he says, you can't do it. Hmm. I mean, I mean, not that Jesus, I'm not quoting Jesus there, (laughs) but right. The idea is it's, it's not in taking on your own burdens that Mm -hmm. you're going to have any success in, in finding true rest. Yeah. It's, it's when you give your burdens to me in faith and what I have come to accomplish. And what's the craziest thing is here is what the pious Jewish people are trying to do is go back to this law to keep it perfectly. But by, by doing so and not being able to do it, they incur this curse. Mm. But yet the one who was able to fulfill the law, live it out righteously, he actually still has to take the wrath, the curse. Yeah. Yeah. He takes it upon himself. Right. Why did he do that? <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's uh, it, the, the, uh, it's obvious in the gospel why he did it, because he, he had to, this is how he saves mm-hmm. the people unto himself. Right. It's, it's through that belief in what Christ has accomplished, not in what we can accomplish. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, in the famous verse in John, you know, for God so loved the world. That's mm-hmm. why he did it. Right. Right. He did it out of, uh, out of, his loving kindness to us. And it's because he had promised from the beginning to do this. Right. That God is, he is keeping his promise. He's keeping his promise to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob through the cross. Because um, 
because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all their descendants weren't able to keep their end of the deal, right? Um, mm-hmm. But but God's able to keep it for man by becoming a man. He keeps it for us, and in doing so, he keeps his own promise to redeem humanity. And, and so um, so I think as we, as we will continue on and look, we're going to see that this actually— this whole we we just intro we introduce the Gentile thought here, right? And we're going to keep now looking at the relationship between the Gentiles to Israel because what we see happening here is the Gentiles are starting to get included in Abraham. Exactly. And so so we're going to see that actually this we see it's it's all over the place in the New Testament. We're actually going to see that it's actually all over the place in the Old Testament. Right. There was bits and pieces of it. We understood that. You know, in the call of Abraham, that in mm-hmm. him all the nations would be blessed. Yeah. Right. But Israel was called for this particular purpose to be yeah. that group that goes forth to share that right. so-called gospel with the world around them and to yeah. and to glorify God. And here um, it is reiterated that in Abraham, this is the verse eight of Galatians that you just read: all the nations will be blessed in you. Right. And that it's by faith. And then what you said earlier where we have the idea of a true Israel where the middle wall, the dividing wall of separation has come down. There is no more right. Jew and Gentile, right? Yeah. It's But the two have become one. And this is what we're talking about where that aspect of true Israel really gets narrowed down. It does. And I think it's really important that this, I think it's possible, and I think I could even read that at times this way, that the nations are going to be blessed through Israel, that somehow Israel is this entity that is then going to, Give blessing to the nations. Right. But actually, what I think we see here in Galatians, and we're going to see as we keep going, that the blessing actually comes through inclusion. That the blessing isn't like, well, I've got it and I'm going to give it to you. It's actually like the way to be blessed is to be included in Israel. That, right. that it's by inclusion. It's not just like, well, we're the special people and you're going to get to like experience the overflow of our blessing. It's gonna. It's just gonna. But actually, no. You become part of it. Right. The blessing is inclusion. It's not just like I get to get the scraps. Yeah. The gospel stays the same. It's. It's just sharing the truth about who Yahweh is, the true God that's merciful and, right. and gracious, and that's right. that's what the kingdom of God is as we go through um, the Great Commission. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll pick this up, and we'll we'll. Uh, not sure exactly where we'll go next, but I uh, if, we'll, if we'll jump right to Romans or we'll or uh, we'll get to some well we'll spend some time in Ephesians as well. But I think it's good to look at that passage of the dividing wall of hostility. And but I do want to get back to seeing even back in Genesis forty nine. Oh, here we, we go. We start yeah. to see that this um, as as Jacob when Jacob dies, he's going to start he 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 passes on the blessing which we know is going to go through the line of Judah. But there's also this really interesting and curious, you know, conversation or, or blessing. I don't know if it's a blessing. It's just that he, that Ephraim has a, has a special relationship to the, to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, we're going to see, I want to unfold as uh, in the rest of the season, how that, how this plays itself out. Cause, cause I think that's what Paul starts talking about in, in Romans 11 and in different things in some curious ways. And so uh, we're going to see that, and it, these prophecies come out in, in Jeremiah and Isaiah and, and other places too, that, that there's this, um, and I think it was even, even in this, the curious interaction with Balak, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. too, that, so it's just, it's, 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 
opened my eyes to just see how it's all over the place in right. in the Old Testament that right. it's that somehow this relationship to the, to the tribes of Israel and the Gentiles that's going to play itself out in in Israel's history. Right. So what we've done and we've spent seven episodes kind of doing a thorough go through of who Israel is, the, mm-hmm. the the roots of that, how that all began, and moving that you know through the Old Testament really. Through Genesis, Exodus, and Deuteronomy is where we've yeah. where we've come so far. Talking a little bit about Samuel or whatnot, but the, and I, Joshua, we did and Joshua, and then, but now establishing who that is, we've now transitioned in this episode to the New Testament, and as we continue on, as we're, it's not about just staying in the New Testament; it's about reflecting back to see more of the promises right. in, in that unity that, right. that that talks about the kingdom of God as it moves right. through time and what, what that yeah. looks like as we head into, um, you know, eventually one day the, the Lord's return and what that, uh, what that kingdom either will be or currently is yeah. and has been. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, with that too, it's interesting to see that that just that history. That part, what the history is doing, and in, in the way the Holy Spirit put together the Old Testament, is that it's it keeps revealing, and just as we saw today, that they can't keep the the law, revealing the need for Christ, right? And even these different fall accounts and how they happen and how it relates to the nations and so forth. We'll even see what the history of Israel is, even as they in their unfaithfulness they get divided and and. And you know we have this. We'll have the northern tribes and the southern tribes, and even all that serves a purpose. Mm. All these things that look like, oh, you know, mankind is just messing up and Israel's messing up. It all serves a purpose that God, in His sovereignty, is is bringing all things together and He's restoring all things together. It's really going to be cool to just see how you know it, it's all pointing to Jesus, but it's also pointing about how this. He's rec- as we did in our Colossians episode. Mm-hmm. He's reconciling all things unto himself. Oh, that's great! Right? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So hang in there with us. I hope I hope you're able to uh, glean something out of each individual episode. But uh, hopefully, too, that though that you start to we'll start to see how why we're taking so much time in this, why we're getting um, and, and where we're going. And I think we keep pointing hints that obviously that it, that it's in Christ and in Jesus that we're seeing all this happen, and that. That uh, as Thad and I are, are really trying to understand our Old Testaments better, we hope that it's helping you do that as well. And so, uh, stick in there with us, hopefully. And and if you're enjoying it, um, you know, share it with a friend. Sounds good. All right. Excellent. Thank you. Have a good day, everybody. Next time, we will continue our investigation of true Israel as the Lord broadens who is counted as sheep to the true shepherd. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.